Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Wow. Okay, you all can grab your seats, sit in them, do whatever you want with those seats for the next 40 minutes. They're yours. Just leave them on the way out. Um, Thank you for that introduction. I was all in my feels, man. That was like, you should have done an altar call and we could have gone to Skyline early, you know what I'm saying? And well, good morning. Uh, it is a real honor and privilege to be with y'all. Um, uh, you're going to hear me use the word y'all a lot because I'm trying to learn uh, the local vernacular of South Carolina where I live now. And, um, and it is a real joy uh, to be with uh, pastors Brian and Heather. Um, I don't get to travel as much as I used to. Uh, my opportunities and my windows are limited, um, but I definitely um, made it a priority as, as quick as possible to come out and see uh, with my own eyes uh, the miracle that is happening here in Cincinnati. And, um, and I love you both very much, and um, I want you to know that uh, you don't only have a brother cheering you on, uh, you have a great cloud of witnesses losing its collective mind uh, over what God is doing here in this church and through this church. And so how about can we just honor our senior pastors in the house right now? So cool. We love you guys. Um, I'm just going to jump straight into it. You guys are making space for a miracle. That's what you're doing here every single week. You're making space for a miracle. You're not just coming along to engage in some religious activity, coming along to do a little bit of Jesus karaoke, sit through a priestly pep talk, hug and high five someone on the way out. No, you are making space for a miracle. I want all of our volunteers to hear that deep within their soul. You're making space for a miracle. You're not setting up pipe and drape. You're making space for a miracle. You're not standing in a freezing parking lot, pointing people towards the auditorium. You're making space for a miracle. You're not just pouring coffee on a Sunday morning. You're making space for a miracle. You're not babysitting kids out there in that kids' ministry. You're making space for that family so they can experience a miracle. And you might be here this morning and you're relatively new to this whole Jesus deal. You're hiding in the shadows. You're chilling in the periphery and you're kind of just watching from a distance and you're going, hey, should I step in? In God's time, you will. But in the, in the meantime, recognize that when you're here, week in, week out, you're actually doing something significant. You're making space for a miracle in your life. Space for salvation to occur. Space for healing to occur. Space for freedom to come. Space for renewal to be experienced. We here this morning are making space for a miracle. And by the grace of God and for his glory in the years to come, that will be the story of Queen City Church. Yo, they made space for a miracle that the city of Cincinnati benefited from. 
That's what you're doing here this morning and for many mornings to come. You are making space for a miracle. So what I'm going to do is talk for about 31 minutes about making space for a miracle. And then a keyboardist is going to slip up here in a Jesus ninja fashion, begin to play emotive, reflective, responsive chords, usually in a minor key. A tear will be shed, a soul will be saved. Glory will be given to God. And some weird chili will be eaten in about 20 minutes after that. Is that, some cool, is that cool? That's the game plan. If you're taking notes down this morning, and I suggest that you do, the sermon title is Give Me Five. And in brackets, you can put there making space for a miracle. Give me five. Can you just say that with me? Give me five. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, hey, give me five. Let me pray and we'll jump into this. Lord Jesus, help. Amen. Give me five. Making space for a miracle. Can you? Can you actually make space for a miracle? Or is that outside of human influence? Is it just solely dependent on the will of God, his sovereignty, his heart, his goodness? Do miracles occur just where he feels or does he invite humanity into partnering with him to bring about the mighty and the marvelous and the miraculous? Can you actually make a space that is especially conducive for a miracle? I would suggest through my experience, the answer is yes. For some reason, God would invite us, the created, to partner with him, the creator, to bring about glory into this, his earth. And he gives us an opportunity to join with him, to partner with him, to bring about the miraculous. That's the reason there are some environments that you'll step into and right away you know that they're ready to go. They're lent in, they're hungry, they're expectant. There's a faith in the air. You can smell the spirit begin to move around that environment and you just know, you just know, you just know that that week someone's getting saved, someone's getting set free, someone's being made whole, some lights are gonna switch on. There are some environments that you step into, some spaces that you enter that right away you know the human is ready for God to move. And he does. Transversely, there are some environments, some spaces, if you will, that you step into and right away you can feel a resistance in the air, a hardness, an arrogance, a pride that for some reason marks that space. And you just know that even though everyone's going to sing the same songs and subscribe to the same theological presuppositions, the concept of change will just be preached but not experienced. And people are going home the same way they came in. I've seen as I've traveled around this blue rock that God made, 
different kinds of spaces. Some that are open to the will and the work and the wonder of God and others that are hard and resistant. I would suggest to you through my experience that we are actually invited into playing a part in creating a space conducive for a miracle. I think Jesus teaches this in one of his most famous sermons that is found in the book of Mark chapter four. Even if your Bibles go with me to the book of Mark chapter four. Everyone say Mark in Australian, Mark. Mark. Everyone say Mark like an American, Mark. <laughs> Everyone say Mark in Chinese, Mark. Awesome. Mark chapter four, Jesus talks about making space for a miracle. In the third verse, he says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they, di- so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Jesus teaches there are different kinds of spaces, some that are hard, some that are resistant to the work and the will and the wonder of God, the mighty, the marvelous, and the miraculous, and there are other kinds of spaces that are especially conducive and encouraging of the work and the will and the wonder of God. He says there are some environments that you'll step into that are hard. It's like a rough and rocky ground. And the seed, the beginning of a miracle will drop onto that path and and nothing is going to happen. In fact, the birds of the air will pick them away. Nothing will come of that seed. He said "Yes, there's another kind of space that you can kind of cultivate and create. And it's not hard. There's a little bit of soil there, but the problem is that soil is shallow. And what happens is that the, 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 the work of God begins to grow, but what happens because it doesn't allow the work and the will and the wonder of God to go deep, nothing really miraculous springs forth. It is a story of a missed opportunity. He says there's a third kind of space. And it's not rough and rocky. It's not like shallow. It's actually quite deep. The soil is good, but the problem is there are thorns and thistles and bushes also in that environment. And what happens is that the work and the will and the wonder of God begins to grow, but the pressures of this world, other things that vie for our energy and our attention take over. And over a period of time, that work of God, that miracle that could have been gets choked out. But then Jesus says there's a fourth kind of space, the kind of space we can all cultivate. It's not hard, it's soft. It's not resistant, it's receptive. It's not shallow, no, it allows the word of God and the work of God to go deep. It isn't distracted by a whole bunch of things that are here today and gone tomorrow. No, it is focused and fixated on the things marked by eternal consequence. And when you find yourself in that kind of space, when the seed drops on it, not only are you going to see a miracle, you're going to see that miracle multiplied, come on, 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. We all 
are invited to partner with God in making space for the mighty and the marvelous and the miraculous. What's fascinating, in fact, it's not fascinating, it's just basic mathematics, is that Mark chapter four is followed by Mark chapter five and Mark chapter six. And Mark chapter five and Mark chapter six are actually these principles played out. You might have never noticed this before, but when you read through Mark chapter five and Mark chapter six, you'll see two distinct kinds of spaces described. Mark chapter five is a, is a space where you see the miraculous unfold. Mark chapter six, you see Jesus preaching his heart out, but nothing actually happened. Let's begin with Mark chapter six. Mark ch chapter six symbolizes and signifies a hard and resistant environment. You'll see there at the beginning of Mark chapter six, the Bible says that Jesus is preaching and teaching and hanging around the Sea of Galilee, but it comes to a point where he decides to lay low for a couple of days and get a little bit of R&R &R with his friends. So they roll back to his hometown called Nazareth, where he goes to catch up with his mother and his brother and sisters. And, and, and so there he is having a grand old time, but the Bible says the Sabbath comes around, the Saturday, uh, and he decides to go down to the local synagogue, the local church to preach. This was his custom. So Jesus rolls down to this local synagogue and he waits for his opportunity. And when his opportunity comes, he steps onto the stage and he begins to teach. And the Bible says here that right away, everyone is blown away by Jesus' teaching. What, what, what incredible insight, what, what power, what gravitas, what authority, who is this guy? Mm, I'm loving this spiritual food that's being dished up this Saturday morning. Everyone is blown away by Jesus initially. But then something started happening. Someone whispered, wait, I've seen this guy before. And eventually that whisper would become a roar. Hey, this guy is just one of us. I know where I've seen him before, this is Jesus. Yo, Billy, remember Jesus from Nazareth High, class of 18? Remember we were like kind of hanging out at that school camp that time, the ball went into the water, he'd be walking, like, that's just Jesus. He ain't anything special, that's just Jesus. Isn't, isn't he just like, that's right, that guy left school in his junior year, did an apprenticeship with his father. This guy's a carpenter, he's a tradesperson. He built the extension on the back of my home. He ain't anything special. He's just Jesus. And then the strangest verse in all of Holy Writ is recorded. Mark chapter six, verse five. Now there are some strange verses in the Bible. Some strange verses about male and female intimacy in the book of Songs of Songs make your face blush. There are some strange references to donkey parts like in the Old Testament. I'm telling you, strange verses in the Bible, but none as strange as the verse found in Mark chapter six, verse five. Mark chapter six, verse five says, Jesus is in this space, preaching his heart out, waiting to do what only he can do. But the Bible actually records in that space, he couldn't do any miracles. Except for lay hands on a few sick people and make them well, but by and large, nothing happened. Woo, that's crazy. Jesus couldn't? Do you, do you know what an oxymoron is? Like two words next to each other that don't look right. You know, like, um, like government service or... Um, um, like Microsoft works, you know what I'm saying? Like kind of. Well, there is no crazy oxymoron in the history of human language as Jesus 
couldn't. Because this is Jesus. Colossians chapter 1 reminds us, this is Jesus through whom everything is made, for whom everything was created, in whom everything is held together. He's literally got the whole world in his hands, but his hands were tied. Why? Did he lose an iota of power for an instant? No. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why couldn't he do any miracles there? What was the variable? The space. The hardness. The pride. The spirit of familiarity. The religiosity. That ho-hum, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt spirit. And it robbed a space of a Jesus move. The disciples freak out and say, yo, Jesus, what happened there? I can't believe this. We've been seeing so much unfold in the different environments that we've been in. Why didn't anything happen this morning? And Jesus said, you know what? I suspected this would happen because a prophet isn't welcome in his hometown. Or in other words, if you ever get to a place where you think you've seen it all before, you've condemned yourself to an existence where you will never see anything new again. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Which was so different than Mark chapter 5, which was a different space. Mark chapter 5, just one chapter previously, Mark chapter 5 that occurred a couple of miles down the road, Mark chapter 5 that all unfolded in the previous week. Mark chapter 5 symbolizes and signifies a place marked by the miraculous. Mark chapter 5 begins with Jesus rolling into a region called the Gadarenes. It's a wild place. You know, like kind of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, what happens in the Gadarenes stays in the Gadarenes. And the wildest of the wild is a party boy named Legion. This guy used to party so hard, they called him Legion because it looked like he partied with 6,000 demons inside of him. And the reason it looked like he partied with 6,000 demons inside of him is because he had 6,000 demons inside of him. And the Bible says that all of his friends try to restrain him and hold him back from hurting himself, but he was hell-bent on self-destruction. Do you know anyone like that? And so here he is, Legion is just going wild, going crazy, screaming in the middle of the night, and then Jesus rolls into town, and right away, Legion runs up to Jesus and falls at his feet. Why? Because even the foulest demons of hell know exactly who Jesus is and what he comes to do. And so these demons start speaking to Jesus. Yo, Jesus, we know what you're here to do. You're here to set people free. You're here to release this dude from his bondage. So check it out. Wherever you are, we won't be. So we out. So Jesus, if you can do us a favor, can you send us over to those filthy pigs in the corner? We'll just live there and we'll leave this person created in your image alone. And Jesus says, get out of my child. And so these demons jump out of legion and into these pigs. Now these pigs go crazy because they're demon possessed. So they run down the hill into a lake and they drown because pigs can neither fly nor swim. Everyone in the local area gets really angry because they just, he's basically destroyed the bacon industry for like 10 years. So there are men running around, the Gadarenes, crying out for blood and bacon, bacon and blood. So they start chasing Jesus. The Bible says Jesus hot-footed out of town. They get down to the seashore. They jump into a boat. They're met in that boat by this man who used to be called Legion. And Legion says, hey, you know what? Yo, can I come with you? Because everyone's kind of angry at you and they're going like, to turn that anger on to me. So can I come with you? And Jesus says, no, you can't come with us because you've experienced the goodness of God. What you need to do is turn around and tell everyone in your home city and the 10 surrounding cities what Jesus has done. The first commissioned evangelist in the church of Jesus was an ex-party boy demoniac named Legion. So the Bible says, 
That same day, they get in that boat and they go over to the other side of the lake. They they arrive in another space, and we know this space is a place called Capernaum. And the Bible says as soon as they stepped off the boat, they could, they could feel a crowd like basically press in on them. There was, a, there was a multitude, dozens deep, just trying to catch a glimpse of this Jesus guy, maybe hear one word that would drip from his celestial lips. And as they crowded around Jesus, there was a space made in the crowd. There was a space made in the crowd because a guy named Jairus would come up before Jesus and fall at his feet too. Now, this was a bizarre image because, because Jairus was a synagogue ruler. He ruled in the synagogue. That's why they called him a synagogue ruler. And he looks at Jesus and he says, yo, I've got a real big issue here. I know you don't owe me anything and I'm a religious dude and me and my boys have been causing you all kinds of harm, but my little girl's at home and she's really sick. And I've prayed every prayer and I've offered every offering. I've tried everything and this is not getting better. It's just getting worse. Now, here was an opportunity for Jesus to slap down a religious leader in public, exact a little bit of revenge, but he didn't. Why? Because Jesus doesn't love us in response to our loveliness. He loves us because it's who he is. He can't help himself. So anyone who will come before him and fall at his feet will find compassion in his presence. And so Jesus says, yo, okay, cool, let's do this. Let's roll to your house. So the Bible says they start going over to Jairus' house. In the meantime, there's another character in Mark chapter five. We know this woman as the woman with the issue of blood. She'd been bleeding for the last 12 years, spent all the money she had. Instead of getting better, she just grew worse. Having the issue of blood was especially painful for a woman in the first century because century, that marked her as ceremonially unclean. She could not come into contact with anyone else in public because it would cause them to be ceremonially unclean as well. And that could bring about a harsh penalty for her indeed. But the Bible says she's sitting in her house and she hears that Jesus is in town. So she just thinks to herself, yo, I'm living a death right now. I may as well roll the dice and go after this Jesus cat. So she opens up the door, steps into the sunlight. She doesn't see the sunlight very often and she goes to find Jesus. The Bible says she finds where Jesus is, and Jesus is surrounded by a crowd. Remember, they're going to Jairus' house. And she thought to herself, if I go any further, I'm going to touch somebody, but you know what? My, my, my fear of never living is greater than my fear of connecting with somebody. So you know what? I'm going to push through this crowd and get to Jesus, because I just know that if I can just touch his cloak, I'll be made well. So she starts pushing through the crowd. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. She gets to the front. Jesus is walking past. She reaches out and touches Jesus' cloak. And the Bible says immediately she felt healing fill her body. Just one touch from Jesus and an infirmity can disappear. Just one touch from Jesus and your healing can come. Just one touch from Jesus and the darkness can reside and the light can spring forth. Just one touch from Jesus. Come on, that anxiety can rise and peace can fall. Just one touch from Jesus. Jesus stops and turns around and goes, yo, somebody touch me. The disciple says, what do you mean somebody touched you, Jesus? A lot of people around bumping up against you. And Jesus says, no, I saw, someone touched me because I felt power depart from me. What a beautiful little detail. Jesus felt power depart from him. Or in other words, every single time Jesus encourages you, Every single time he calms a storm, every single time he provides for your life, every single time he embraces you with his presence, that's not just a faraway God performing a random act of kindness. No, it's a loving, acquainted, personal God moving on your behalf. Every time you feel God, guess what? He felt it too. 
So this woman, brave as anything, steps forward and falls at Jesus' feet too and says, yo, Jesus, it was me. I had this issue more than a decade, tried everything, only got worse. And then, then I touched you. And everything's turned around. You made me well. And Jesus says, no, sweetheart, your faith made you well. Every single time, humanity's need and humanity's humility collides with God's more than enough. You see the beginning of a miracle. In the meantime, another character bursts into the story. How cool is the Bible? You should read it more. You know what I'm saying? Like another character bursts into the story. And we know this individual is Jairus' servant. And he's bearing bad news. You're Jairus. Um, we don't need to bother Jesus anymore. Um, your little girl just died. I can imagine Jairus with a heart full of pain and eyes full of tears turning towards Jesus. Hey, Jesus. You got caught up with this woman. Now it's too late. I gotta go home and bury my little girl. But little did Jairus know like little do some of us know, that in Jesus, it is never too late. Because he's Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the beginning, he's the end. That means he's the writer, the director, the producer, the star of this whole movie, and the final credits don't get to roll until Jesus says they roll. And they ain't rolling yet. And so Jesus says, yay, don't be afraid. Just believe. Let's keep on going. So they keep on going to Jairus' house. When they get to Jairus' house, the Bible says there's a large group of people out the front. There's a commotion. The funeral ceremony had already begun. I picture the people out the front who are crying to be women because women are caring, connected creatures. They feel for one another. When one is emotional, the other one's emotional. When one's feeling tired and frumpy, I'm feeling tired and frumpy as well. Like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Let's all go to the bathroom together. Guys aren't like that. <laughs> one dude goes to another dude. Yo, bro, let's go to the toilet. Well, good luck. I don't know. I'm going. So I picture Jesus, like the Bible says, grabs a couple of disciples, Jairus, his wife, and a servant, and they push through the crowd. I love that detail as well. Jesus won't even allow sorrow and pain and the deepest darkness to hold you back from experiencing his presence in your worst moment. So Jesus walks through the crowd and steps into a dim-lit room. In the corner of that dim-lit room is a seemingly dead little girl problem. It was strictly against Old Testament law to have any interaction with a dead body. But then again, it was technically against Old Testament law to have an interaction with a demoniac in pig country. It was definitely against Old Testament law to have an issue, to have a, like, interaction with a woman with the issue of blood. So he must have surmised, yo, I've been breaking laws all day long. Why stop now? So he walks over and stands over this dead little girl and says in Aramaic, Talitha Kawum, which literally means little girl, get up. And immediately the Bible says she springs up back to life. Just one word from Jesus and dead things rise again. Just one word 
from Jesus and lost things are found again. Come on, just one word from Jesus. Come on, broken things are mended again. Come on, just one word from, come on, diseased things, come on, are healed again. Come on, just one word from Jesus. Resistant things become receptive again. Just one word and everything changes. And like a classic teenager, the first thing she says is, yo, I'm hungry. So Jesus says, quick, get this little girl something to eat. And Mark chapter five comes to an end with this beautiful picture of a little girl in a room who was dead but is now alive chewing on a Pop-Tart. I say all of that to ask Queen City Church one simple question. As you look towards the next 10, 20, 30 years of your journey, you're 77 weeks in. My friends, God didn't launch this for the 77 week Mark, he launched this for the 77-year story. As you look forward into your future, what kind of story do you want to be like? Because you're allowed to be just another religious environment. You're allowed to be just another space where good Christian people get together and do good Christian things, experience moments with their good Christian God, but by and large, walk away unchanged and leave their city unchanged. Or you might just be wild enough, crazy enough, bold enough, come on, brave enough, to be like that Mark chapter 5 story that says, you know what? We want to be a space where the wildest party boys and the wildest party girls can find themselves here on the Sunday morning looking for love and actually finding this love that they are searching for in the great loving God of this universe, Jesus Christ. You know, you could actually be a part of that kind of space. You can be the kind of space where someone who has been wrestling with something for 10, 12 years, depression, anxiety, addiction, all the different things that ail this generation that seem totally incurable, they can walk into the presence of Jesus and with a single touch from His presence, everything is turned around. Anxiety lifts, depression is broken, a past is renewed as a future is now laid before people. You can be the kind of space where dead things literally rise again, where the lost are found, where the searching are found by the God who has come all the way to find them. You get to be a part of that space. So here's the question that I came to ask you. Mark chapter four, five, or Mark chapter six, what do you wanna be like? I've got a feeling there's someone in this room who's saying, you know what, give me five give me five 
So all I want to do in my remaining two minutes and 32 seconds with you is to simply ask you to search the corridors of your own heart and ask this question, hey, is there any kind of Mark chapter 6 in you right now? That spirit of familiarity? Come on, that spirit of pride? Come on, that spirit of resistance? Come on, that spirit, I've been there, done that, kind of, you know, I, I just Jesus can do so much, but only so much that, come on, if there's a little bit of Mark chapter 6, would you be brave enough and bold enough to leave that on the ground and never pick it up again? Come on. And let me ask you this question. Is there anyone here in this room who would be so desperate to see, come on, the mighty and the marvelous and the miraculous, would you kind of, you know what, with all of my life, with everything that I've got, would you give me five? I want to fall at Jesus' feet every single week, marked by humility and hunger. Come on, I want my life to be marked by expectation and faith, just knowing that just one word, just one touch from Jesus and everything can be turned around. Is there someone in this room who's saying, you know what, Cincinnati needs more of the presence of God, needs more of the glory of God, needs more of the goodness of God. And if I can play a part in making that space, so be it, would you give me five? Here's my challenge to you. Every single week you come together as you walk through the atrium or you walk through the foyer, whatever you call it here in the state of Ohio, could I encourage you to look at one another in the eye and say simply, we're making space for a miracle today. Come on, give me Five. Let's practice that right now. Come on, look at one another and say, we're making space for a miracle today. Come on, give me five. Can I, can I give him a crisp five? Come on, give him a little crisp five right there. Give me five. As we wrap up our time together, It would be remiss of me not to give an opportunity to someone here in this room who over the last 34 minutes have thought to themselves, my goodness, this Chinese guy speaks great English. <laughs> and secondly, you were thinking to yourself, man, I would love to see some of this God activity in my own life, but right now I don't have a relationship with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to see some of the miraculous unfold in my life. I would love to see some of His power unfold in my life. I would love to experience this love, but I don't have Jesus in my life. Well, I want to wrap up our time simply giving you an opportunity to do the most powerful thing the created can do. Open their heart to their Creator. And I want to clear things up. Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It's not about jumping through religious hoops or clearing legalistic bars. It's about recognizing God loves you and comes to find you exactly where you are. And when you open up your heart to Him, He invades every part of your life. And I would love to give you an opportunity here this morning to say, you know what? I want to make space for God to do a miracle first and foremost, come on, in my life. 
So with every eye closed and no one looking around, I do that to give you a sense of privacy. If you're here this morning and you know that right now, Jesus is not residing as the Lord and the Savior and the King of your heart. Would you open that heart up to Him? Would you make space in your life for a miraculous work? If that's you here this morning with every eye closed and no one looking around, I would love to lead you in a simple prayer. So if you want to open up your heart, to the love and the strength and the power of King Jesus, when I count to three, just lift your hand where you are. I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to hand this service back over to Pastor Brian. But if that's you this morning and you're saying right now in my heart, Jesus is not King. Jesus isn't even there. If that's you, when I count to three, lift your hand where you are. Are we ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hand where you are. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand at the back there as well. I see your hand to my right there as well. Come on, let's pray this prayer out loud all together, especially if you lifted your hand. Let's do this, Queen City Church. Dear Jesus, come on, do it like, just come on, say it like you're, you're, you're just excited about what's happening right now. Come on, salvation is coming into this room. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for your love. I invite you into my heart. Help me by your spirit. Live now for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for those who lifted theirs? Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.